0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, Living Water Community Church. Good morning. Nice to see you guys. I know there's some bad weather going on out there. I guess there's a tropical storm that's kind of Close to us that we're feeling the effects of, although it doesn't seem like it's going to hit us, we we pray and we we believe that that tropical storm is not going to do any more any damage or anything more than already predicted, and um, we really believe in that. So nice to see your faces this morning on this rainy South Florida Sunday morning. Um, today we're going to continue in our series, a new series we started last week called Let Wisdom Reign. How many of you were here last week? Yeah? I'm excited about this series. And if you missed last week's message, or if you missed any of our previous messages, I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you, you can go and find them. How do you do that? All you got to do is go to YouTube, go to the Living Water Community Church channel, and there may be a few of them. So look for the one that has our logo on it. And I promise you, it's a wealth of information. You can look at last week's message. You can look at messages for the past couple of years all on our YouTube page. So it's a beautiful thing. And I would encourage you, if you have not already been to our YouTube page, to go to our YouTube page, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And I want to welcome also those who are watching us via YouTube this morning or watching us via Facebook. So delighted to have you here this morning. And in this series... We've been talking about you know, some of the nuggets, if you will, some of the little brain brain pop pieces of wisdom that are found in the book of Proverbs. And there's a lot of them. There's a whole lot of them. And as most of you probably know, and it was mentioned last week, King Solomon who's, is the person who wrote the majority of the Proverbs, and last week we, we understood and it was established that God is the one who labeled King Solomon as the wisest man. So with that label coming from God himself, I am positive that there is a lot that we can learn from this book. Probably more than you might even be thinking about, but it just takes a little bit of time to dig in, to study, to get to it. Now today's topic is a very big topic, and we're going to delve into certain parts of it, but today we're going to talk a little bit about self-control and self-discipline. As I said, a very, very big topic. Before I go any further, I want to just I want to, I want to make sure everyone's with me. We got, we got everyone with me with me? Yeah? Come on, let me hear let me hear you make some noise for God if you're with me. All right, I want to make sure everyone's awake because sometimes, you know my wife, when when the, when it's rainy outside, There's nothing more that she likes to do than just cuddle up in the bed. I don't want you guys to feel that now's the time to cuddle up in your bed. It's time to pay attention. It's time to engage. It's time to see what God may want to say to you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stories told about an old farmer who, after 40 years of married life, decided he should take his wife out for the day. As they were driving, he saw a sign offering flights over the countryside. That sounds beautiful, right? So he pulled the car in and inquired how much the flights were. He was told $50 per person. And being a typical farmer, he started to haggle and try to negotiate that pricing a little bit for a better deal. He says, let's do it 50 bucks for the two of us. The pilot eventually said, okay, if neither of you utter a word during the entire flight, I'll do it for 50 bucks for the two of you. But if any one of you say a word, I'm going to charge you $50 each. The farmer agreed, and as the plane took off, the pilot started to pull all these acrobatic stunts going upside down and doing loop-de-loops and all this crazy stuff during the flight, but he didn't hear a word from them. They landed the plane, and the pilot turned to the farmer and said, that was amazing self-control. Some of those stunts had me even frightened. The farmer replied, ah, I nearly said something when the wife fell out the door. You got it. Okay, good. All right. At least I know you guys are awake with me this morning. <laughs> well, we are all probably familiar with the term self-control or self-discipline um, to a certain to a certain level, right? We 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 use that word. We know that word pretty comfortable to us. But I want to make sure that we're all starting off on the same page this morning. I want to make sure that we're aligned on some key definitions. So. As defined by the dictionary, self-control is the ability to control oneself, in particular, one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. Self-discipline is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses, the ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite temptations to abandon it. Now, these are technically two different terms, but we use self, self-control and self-discipline. We use it interchangeably a lot. I think most of us still get the idea of what we're trying to say. But I want to add one more thing to those definitions, because in the Scriptures, self-control is spoken of in a different way as well. In the Scriptures, self-control is spoken of by keeping oneself in check, one who holds on to himself and someone who does not live in bondage to anyone or anything. Let me give you a quick stat. Do you know that nine out of ten successful people will attribute much of their success to having self-control and having self-discipline? On the flip side, do you know that those who have failures in marriages, in business, in finances, usually have a lack of self-control or a lack of self-discipline? As a matter of fact, psychologists say that most major personal and social problems center on the failure of self-control. And I'm talking about things like compulsive spending and borrowing, impulsive violence, underachievement in school, procrastination at work, alcohol and drug abuse, unhealthy diet, lack of exercise, chronic anxiety, explosive anger. All of these are typically rooted with a lack of self-control or self-discipline. It's a really big topic, as I said at the beginning of this message, with a wide, wide range of focus areas. I just mentioned a handful, but there's so, so many more. And it's difficult sometimes for us, to align, for us to align ourselves and our behaviors with self-control or self-discipline at certain times. So let me ask this quick, quick question. Show of hands, and if you're watching online, you can throw your hand up as well. How many of you believe that you have good self-control? I see a couple hands, I see a few hands. Good, very, very good. Now I know that to a certain extent, that's kind of a trick question. Kind of set you up a little bit because I think for, for a lot of people the answer is, well, it depends. Depends on what you're talking about, right? We're likely to have different amounts of self-control in one from one area, to another area. For example, me, myself, I tend to have good self-control over my tongue and over explosive anger. It's not really something that I I struggle with and I don't have those as, as challenges for me. Now, on the other hand, I would say I do have some opportunities to improve when it comes to spending money or exercising consistently. Do I have anyone in the house with me? Anyone? So it's not an all or nothing type thing. I will say it is very common for people to feel that they have good self-control over themselves for the most part, right? And that self-control may not be a major issue for them. But I would somewhat question you a little bit and say, if you fall into that bucket today, you know, whose standard or what standard are you using to judge how you feel your self-control is. Are you measuring against your, your own standard? Are you measuring against just the guy next door, maybe your brother or your, your friend at work? Or are you measuring against God's standard? And believe me, as I'm preaching this message this morning, I'm preaching to myself as well, believe me. It should go without saying that the proper standard, the only standard that really matters The only one that we should be measuring against is God's. And with that understanding, I think we can agree there's definitely room for improvement, amen? And I think some of us have more room for improvement than others, just just saying. You guys with me? Wow, I'm gonna keep asking you that. You keep asking, I need to make sure. All right, with all that's happened so far this year, it's been a roller coaster ride for a lot of people. This COVID nineteen thing has really, really had an impact to to our, our lives as we know it. It's been a big, big emotional roller coaster for a lot. Um, but I th- I feel as if there's some there's some things that we should and be, we should be able to get out of this. Some self control improvement opportunities that we could probably all agree on. Um, And last week it was established that in the book of Proverbs and all throughout the scriptures, we see that that the Bible is shouting at us. The Bible is talking to us on a daily basis. We know that God himself wants nothing but the best for his children. Do you agree with that? God wants nothing but the best for his children. So the question is, on this topic of self-control and self-discipline, what does God have to say about it? Let's jump right into the scriptures. Proverbs 25:28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Let me give you a little bit of background on this. You see, in those days in the in the ancient days, the main source of strength and protection that any city had were the walls around it. That was what would con- would allow for a city to be considered strong and protected. And that is why in the book of Nehemiah, we see that he felt shame over the fact that the walls around Jerusalem were lying in ruins. A gap in the wall was considered a security risk or a breach. And the city would gain a shameful reputation because their walls were not in good condition. Okay? So understand the context of what we're talking about. A city like that that had walls in, 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 um, in, in a damaged state would be open to attack and would be open to destruction. And the writer of the proverb is saying that if a man lacks self-control, it's like a city whose walls were destroyed. Such a man is defenseless before his passions or his desires and against the ways of the world. Lacking self-control, the scripture says a man is defenseless against the world that is coming at him. Such a man has no means of defense because he cannot resist things, and these are things that will destroy his life. The occupants of the city that neglected walls were considered lazy, they were considered weak, and they were considered foolish. So my question to you, plain and simple this morning, is where are there holes in your walls? Where are there holes in your walls that allow a loss of self-control to squeeze through time and time and time again? Take a walk, just right now, take a walk along your life, your walls, Think about this. Think about your emotions. Are there holes in the walls of your emotions, of your attitudes, relationships? Are there holes in the walls of addictions, temptations? Think of a list of all those areas where you know you have a hole in the wall, or the wall is starting to decay. Proverbs 16, 32, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city, better to be patient than powerful. That's an entire message right there, but I think the, the proverb is very, very strong, and there's a lot of wisdom in that. Better to be patient than powerful. Proverbs 14, 29, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. I'm going to read that again. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness, says the Lord, to the road rage drivers, to those who get into the bar fight because someone said something that you just couldn't overlook. For those who go from zero to stupid in a matter of moments. Let me throw another anger scripture in there for good measure. James 1. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So do I dare ask the question? And the church said, amen. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you need to know that God is committed to you. God is on on your side. Or better yet, we should be on God's side, right? He knows where we are strong. God knows where we're strong. And just as much, God knows where we are weak. And he wants to help us mature. He wants to help us develop into totally disciplined people. Totally disciplined, in self-control, with the ability to discern good from evil. He wants us to grow, and he wants us to overcome. But it takes us being intentional. It takes us putting out some effort. There's some work to do. God is going to meet us wherever we are, but it takes work on our side. We can't just sit back and let God do all the work. It doesn't work that way. God is waiting for us to take that first step, and then he's going to take his steps, and we are going to meet in the middle, but it takes work on our side. So in order for us to up our game, if you will, and live a life of self-control, that's, there's some things that we have to learn, and I've come up with three things for you this morning. First... We must learn to pay before we play. Let me say that again. We have to learn to pay before we play. Do I have any athletes in the house today? Or any athlete, anyone that used to be an athlete in the house today? I remember in my younger days, I was quite the athlete, if I do say so myself. I was one of those guys that it really didn't matter what sport I was trying to play. If I signed up to jump on that sport, I ended up being pretty good at it, even if I didn't really play it that much. Um, But I did train a lot when I was younger, and I mean a lot. I trained a lot when I was younger. Can't tell right now, and as I said, I have my areas where I have to work on. But when I was younger, oh man, oh man. Now, my oldest son, he's 13, and he's an athlete. He sticks to one sport, he likes soccer, and he's pretty good at it. He's on an elite team, so that must mean something, right? And as much as I'd like to take the credit for how great my son is, I can't take any of the credit for his skills, because soccer was not one of the the sports that I played. As a matter of fact, when I was growing up, I actually really hated soccer, You know, soccer to me was just as boring, and hopefully I'm not offending anyone here. Soccer was just as boring as golf to me. Now, there's some people that love golf, so I'm not trying to offend, because I would actually love to learn to play golf. Why? Because I heard that golf is a rich man's sport, so I plan one day, once I get rich, I have to know how to play golf, so I might as well start learning the game now so that when the time comes, I'm already, you know, I'm there, I'm there. But for me, soccer, I hated it. Why? Because I didn't understand the strategy of the game. In my mind, I'm seeing, okay, well, there, there's the goal. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then they pass the ball back. I'm like, what are you doing? The goals are that way. But now I understand the strategy. But a lot of that was, was, was the, the preconception that I had of the sport growing up. But because of my son's passion, because of my son's passion, I actually now quite enjoy watching his games It's really because I love watching him be able to do something he's passionate about more than anything else. But he and his team didn't get to the level that they're at without paying their dues, right? Without putting in the work. For the past four years, they've been training four to five days a week, two to three hours every single day. That's what my 13-year-old, from the time he was nine or ten... That's what he's been doing, Um, and you see that it takes takes the effort. They have to pay, put in the work before they play, and in a similar way, we see that the Apostle Paul used an athlete analogy when he was talking about spiritual training and spiritual preparation, 1 Corinthians 9. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it. For an eternal prize. Paul says, so I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Paul is saying, in a spiritual world, you have to still train you have to put in the work. You gotta put effort in. You have to push yourself in order to grow, to get better, and better, and better, and better, to get to the elite team. You have to put in the work. Let me say it like this. You can't expect a muscle to do in the game what it's unwilling to do in the practice. You can't expect a muscle to do in the game what it's unwilling to do in the practice. You have to pay before you play. 2 Peter 1. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control... With patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive you and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone want to be effective for the Lord? Yeah? Anyone want to be used by the Lord? You gotta pay before you play. You gotta put in the work. It takes effort, and sometimes the areas that we we focus on having self control in, um, some of the ones the areas where we we, we struggle with self control, um, are areas that we sorry, lost my place here. So, sometimes the areas that we focus to have self control in are easy because they align with what we like, right? Example, I've never had to tell my son that I think it's a good idea for him to go to practice. I've never had to say that. He's happy to go. He's ready to go. So the self-control and the self-discipline of doing what needs to be done in order to make it to something he wants to do, the passion that he has, it's not really a challenge. So he can absolutely be self-disciplined and have self-control as it relates to the things that he's passionate about. But the truth is, the areas that we probably need more help and development with our self-control aren't easy areas for us because if they were, we would have already done it more than likely, right? We would have already done it. Quick side note here, and this is speaking to the parents or the, the parent figures in people's lives. We need to teach our kids The importance of this idea. Work before you play. Pay before you play. This same thing also applies to relationships. You can play first and choose to live together before you make any commitment to marry, but it will likely cost you. Did you know that divorce percentages are higher with people that cohabitate before they get married. The divorce percentages are higher. And 60% of high school seniors think it's a good idea to live together before getting married. Even though cohabitating women are twice as likely than married women to be physically abused and three times as likely to be depressed. With that understanding and with those stats, let me give you a comparison now. In 1960, there was about 430,000 couples that lived together in the U.S., non-married couples that lived together in the U.S. 1960, 430,000. In 1998, which is still over 20 years ago, that number increased to 4.2 million couples. The principle hasn't changed But our mentality, our self-control, our understanding has not evolved. It has not followed. This same principle also applies to finances. You can play and charge up a storm and charge yourself into financial bondage. It's very easy when you have that plastic in your wallet. Very, very easy to to get yourself in problems. Very, very easy. We need to be raising our kids with, these under, with this understanding. We need to be preparing them. We need to be working on them so that they can be honest. They can be trustworthy. They can be respectable. They can be wise members of our society. Amen? Amen? Despite what popular culture says, and listen to me, parents, our kids need us to be their parents, not their friends. I'm gonna say that again. Despite what pop culture says, despite when your friend says, oh, well, Susie over here, her mom, her dad, despite what any of that says, our kids need us to be their parents, not their friends. Did you hear me? We need to stick to these things. Why is it that two and a half million children from the ages of 10 to 17 have a police record? 10 to 17, two and a half million children have a police record. Why is it that 85% of all of the criminals are under the age of 25? A lack of of self control allows for excess of the wrong and excess demands greater excess and demands greater excess and the only and only the disciplined in spirit can break that cycle parents aunts uncles role models we cannot allow for our children to to determine what is good for them, because they don't know. There's a famous basketball player, I'm not going to mention names, there's a famous basketball player, um, ex-basketball player, who has a 12, 13-year-old son, who now has identified, I guess for for some time now, has identified as a female. This is a boy child identifying as a female, and this is a controversial thing going on in the, in the country right now for a lot of different people. But it's gotten to a point where this child has decided that they are so, they are so sure that they really identify as a female that they wanna go through and have surgery to make this change permanent. 12 or 13 years old. They don't know any better. And for a parent to even consider that, to me, is absolutely crazy. At 12, 13, I think it's crazy altogether, but at 12 or 13 years old, it's absolutely unheard of in my mind. Parents, aunts, uncles, role models, brothers, whoever you might be, they don't know any better. We need to be the ones speaking wisdom into their lives, amen? Amen. To learn self-control, we must also plan before we proceed. Jesus said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? To have the fruit of self-control, you must plan before you proceed. You have to plan before you proceed. You need to think of your plan ahead of time. Here's where the practical kind of common sense stuff comes into play. Um, But I will say the practical, practical common sense stuff, that can be hard. So I'm not trying to oversimplify it because it is practical common sense. Example, I need to eat healthier, right? Someone wants to eat healthier, lose some weight, go on a diet, something like that. I need to have, I need to work out a plan right? I need to plan before I proceed. So it would be foolish of me to simply just say, okay, I need to eat healthier. Let me go with everyone else where they're going to eat, and I'll just have strong willpower, and I won't eat any of the bad stuff. Everyone's going to McDonald's. Okay, I'll go, but I'll just have a... Bottom line is if you're trying to eat healthier, McDonald's should not be part of your vocabulary altogether, right? Um, So I would even suggest if if you need to eat healthier in this example, you should be planning maybe meals at home. You should not put yourself in a situation where you would be tempted or feel like you have no other option. You follow me? Another example, I need to walk, get some exercise. I can't wait until I get outside the door to figure out how far I'm going to walk or how long I'm going to walk. Because by the time I walk outside, oh man, all of a sudden, my feet are talking to me, my legs are talking to me, there's all these things talking to me, trying to get my attention, and I promise you, before you know before I've gone anywhere, I'm right back in the house. I'm like, wow, I didn't plan. I didn't plan before I proceeded. If finances are in need of more self-discipline, You need to decide ahead of time what you will spend. For many people, this is simply called a budget. Create a budget and stick to it. Maybe the sticking to it is the hard part, but if you don't at least have a budget, you have nothing to work off of, right? You have to plan before you you proceed. My wife, she's the one that does the, the grocery shopping most of the time, and typically she will make a list of what she's going to get when she goes to the supermarket. When I go to the supermarket, I'm likely to come back with something that wasn't on the list. Why? Because things talk to me when I'm in the store. That's why, I mean, things talk to me. Oh, have you ever been to Costco and seen those muffins, like those chocolate muffins? Do they talk to you too? I mean, am I the only one they talk to? Things talk to me when I'm in stores. And it's the same way in the spirit. If you don't plan to put church on your schedule, it's very, very easy to skip it. You know? Today's a bad example, but it's too rainy outside, or it's too cold, or it's too hot, or it's too windy, or simply, you know what? I had a late night last night, I'm just really tired, or I'm just too busy. There's stuff going on, Real, real easy. But self-control requires deciding ahead of time. You have to decide ahead of time. You have to plan before you proceed because it will be so easy to be knocked off your plan if you, if you don't have one. There's an area that generally applies to men more than women. Not always, but most of the time. And I'll preface it by saying, you see, God made men with a a pleasure, satisfaction, overdrive. If you know what I'm saying, right? And women may not like that about men, but that's just what it is. It is what it is. So fellas, just to be very, very point blank here, if you go on the internet and you're looking at pornography sites you will get hooked. You will get hooked. When it comes to controllable areas like this, you must plan ahead. You must plan on what you allow your eyes and your ears to come into contact with, especially in controllable areas, because I promise you, you will lose the ability to to exercise self-control. You will lose it. And for anyone that struggles in that area, um, please know that there are, there, is, there are solutions that can help you. There's things out there, for anyone listening online or anyone here, there's things called accountability software that you can download. I think there's free ones as well. I think one was called Covenant Eyes, um, you know, a number of years ago, that you can download, you can put on your computer that will help you because it will block things. There's also software that allows you to establish accountability partners. So you would put in someone's name or an email address and they can do the same kind of thing and it's going to send a report to that person of every single site that you went on and what you did. So if this is an area that you're struggling in, I would, encourage, I would highly encourage you to get some sort of help with one of these types of software, or things that are gonna help you be accountable. Amen? All right. Now for the women. For the women, it's not usually physical satisfaction that's the challenge on that side. It's words. It's gossip. And I'm not trying to say that every woman gossips, and I'm not trying to say that no men gossip. I'm saying, generally speaking, it's the women, and it's words, and it's gossip. Psychologists say that women use 15,000 words more than men every day. You guys believe that? Do you believe that? So, so however, you, however many words a man says per day, <laughs> women say 15,000 more. <laughs> That's what the psychologists say. Hey, don't, don't shoot the messenger. So for many women, really, gossip is the name of your game. You have to plan before you proceed, if you, want to have, if you want to exercise control in this area. You have to plan before you decide to go to the, the coffee shop, the coffee group. Before you go to Bible study, ladies, you have to plan. Because when you get to that Bible study, things seem to happen. Because without fail, the Bible study happens, and then guess what's going to happen? Okay, any prayer requests? You know what I'm talking about? Any prayer requests? And then all of a sudden, all the ladies sit up. Someone says, "We have to pray for Jack and Jill." It's so sad about their separation. She was always a little spacey. They they never seemed to be in sync. Why? Just the other day, you know who they were talking. They were. T- I saw them talking to. It's unbelievable. I knew it was coming. So sad for the kids. 20 minutes later, we're still on the first prayer request. And it's getting better and better and juicier as the time goes on. We need to plan before we proceed if we are going to be able to exercise self-control and self-discipline in the scenarios that, that we know we, we, we potentially lack them in. 2 Timothy 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money, and they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Does this sound like any time you know of? This sounds like what I'm seeing right now in this country and in this world. We've turned away from God. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. As I said, this sounds like what's going on today. This is the takeaway They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that would make them godly. And the scripture says, stay away from people like that. This is a very important scripture because this is exactly what I see going on in the world right now. We need to dial into our spiritual eyes because that scripture said that they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. We need to stay away from people like that. And finally, to walk in self-control, we must learn to pray before we practice. Everything that we just went over are things that we could and should start doing to grow, to develop, to mature ourselves, right? To plan and have, have, have a, an approach to, to have success in different scenarios. But how many of you know that there are times that despite the planning that we do and despite the, the, the training that we do, there are times where we just, we're not going to be able to, to be successful in our own power. Amen? It's, just, it's the bottom line. We fight against an enemy that is much more powerful than any one of us. Much more powerful. So this last point is where the connection and the guidance of the Holy Spirit with the work that, that we can do, what we can bring to the table, that's where this comes together and where, where the Holy Spirit steps in. Galatians 5, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Galatians 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. 2 Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We can pay before we play, and we can plan Before we proceed, but in order to realize the full power of having self control and self discipline in any area of godly significance in our lives, we need to pray before we practice. You got to get the Spirit of the Living God before you'll have victory over your sinful nature. God has sent His Spirit to us. God wants to to get us tough. He wants us to get tough. And he wants us to live tough. He wants us to have spiritual stability. Did you hear me? He wants us to have spiritual stability. Do you know that, that spiritual stability is very closely related to emotional stability? Do you ever think about how your spirit and your emotions work together? Think of the close connection between Your body, which is our body, which is what we see. Our soul, which is what includes our mind and our emotions and our feelings. And the spirit, which is God's spirit inside of us. Think of that that connection. Usually, one catches the ills of the other. If you have emotional problems you are very likely to end up with physical problems. Things like ulcers, colitis, high blood pressure. These physical manifestations can come as a result of emotional problems. And if you have physical problems, you're likely to have emotional problems as well. The mind and body interact in their problems. One affects the other. But what we fail to recognize is that if you call yourself a believer, well, then the spirit is right there as well. So we talk about the body, we talk about the mind and the soul, but the spirit is right there as well. And if we aren't praying and asking God to to move in us and ushering and allowing his spirit to lead our soul and lead our mind, then we're not tapping in to the real power source that will give us victory in the areas of self-control and self-discipline. We can do so much, but to a certain extent, and when we get to that point, there's nothing more that we will be able to do. We have to tap into the real power source if we're going to be able to move to the next step, if we're going to have true victory over things that are, have godly significance. He gives us his Holy Spirit to control our eyes and to control our ears. His Holy Spirit is here to help control our tongue, to control our minds. God sent us his controlling Holy Spirit to live within us. Let me be clear on something. We don't become spiritual giants overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. We do it by reading one verse at a time. We do it by saying a sentence prayer at a time. Baby steps. But consistency, that's how you build. It's self-discipline self-control in our daily walk with god and before you know it because it doesn't take that long before you know it you'll find yourself in a relationship like no other with god almighty if we are faithful in the little things the baby steps the consistency lord i'm struggling in this area i need help with this father please give me a plan Help me to see things that I'm not seeing. Please give me some wisdom, Father. If we are faithful in the little things, God will meet us where we are and he will reward us with big things. Did you hear me? God will reward us with big things if we are faithful with the little things. Romans 7, 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. You see, it can be very frustrating to know what is the right thing to do and still not be able to manage to actually do the right thing. So what's the missing link, right? You know better. What's the missing link between the knowledge that we have and the action that we need to carry out? What's the missing link? What's the missing link? the answer is Jesus is the missing link Jesus showed self-control throughout the whole farce of his trial and his sentencing he didn't act the fool he didn't cuss anyone out he didn't turn anyone into a frog what he did was he said, Father, forgive them. He gave his mother away to another's care. He continued to fulfill his purpose even while on the cross to the repenting thief. So let me end with this. When it comes to self-control, self-discipline or really any one of life's questions. The starting point and the solution is the same. And it's Jesus. And I would be remiss right now if, if I didn't give every single person here in this building and those of you watching online The same opportunity that was given to me about 20 years ago. The opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, as I did many years ago. And to become a child of God. To have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and to close their eyes. And if that is you, if you find yourself in a situation where you have, not, you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord, the Lord of your life and the Savior that we all need, I want to give you that opportunity with every eye closed and every head bowed. I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up right where you are. And if you're watching online, go ahead right where you are. Slip your hand up. It's not about who's around you and who sees you. Right now, it's an audience of one because God is looking at his children. For those of you who, who want to make that commitment today, whether it's in this place or watching us online, just say something like this, the quietness of your heart. Father, I thank you for the free gift that you gave 2,000 years ago. Lord, I recognize that without you sending your son to die for me and the fact that your son was raised from the dead, Lord, I would be lost. I would have no hope. Lord, today I I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I thank you for your Son and what He did. And today, Lord, I make the decision to commit my life to following you the best I can. Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sins cleanse me make me new from the inside out change my mind Lord change my heart and thank you Lord for this amazing gift in Jesus name we pray Amen Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.